0: Are you longing for real-life change and lasting impact? At More to Be, we believe that is possible through a fresh encounter with God and His Word. I'm Lisa Pulliam, the founder of More to Be, host of the More to Be podcast, and I'm here to help you think biblically and live transformed, to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in His work every day. So today on the podcast, we've got my good friend, Angela Sackett, back here. Hopefully, she's your good friend by this time, too. And <laughs> she is Angela of Everyday Welcome. So welcome, Angela. Thanks for being back with us. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah. And I'm glad to have you here because we are doing a very practical, biblically rich, but very practical episode on grace-filled holidays. <laughs> what <When> you think? <laughs>
1: Perfect timing for me because uh, as of air date, uh, while we're recording, I'm preparing for our oldest child's wedding and we're adding that in and and two cross state trips as we're getting ready for the holidays. So by the time this airs, we'll have a married child and uh, I need all the grace I can get these holidays. I know the rest of us do too. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah. So tell me, like, we're going to talk, I know we're going to get into the scriptures, we always do, and I love what you've pulled out for us, but kind of give me your childhood holidays versus your newly married holidays versus like mm-hmm. what holidays look like for you now, synopsis.
1: This question. So interesting. So I grew up um, with very food-driven families. I come from a southern family of grandparents. On one side, my grandma would make enough food to feed 12 armies. And uh, the other side, I had a grandma who was a gourmet and so she would do these very beautiful, luscious holiday meals um, and and different, you know, one would be Christmas Eve and one got Christmas Day. But I remember there being sort of this hidden level of stress in those holidays and probably a lot of us have that. Um, mm-hmm. And when I look back as a woman, I see that a lot of that was because the weight of those holidays really sat on the shoulders of the women and mm. particular those grandmas. Um, one grandma did a little bit more of like inviting others um to to prepare. Um, and I think that I took that into my own young married life as a determination that I wanted holidays to be more everybody come not just to the table, but everybody come to the counter and everybody be part yeah. of the prep because I wanted them to be full of joy. Mm-hmm. And um haven't always done that. In fact, I told a story recently on my blog about um One Thanksgiving, one of the first Thanksgiving that I had our older two boys away, and I looked at my my daughter a couple days, maybe a week before Thanksgiving, and said, I don't know if I'm going to cook. Let's just go somewhere. Let's just, and my sweet daughter, who I've talked about before, you know, she just loves the Lord, and she is, I don't know, wiser than me in so many ways, and she all but stomped her foot down, and she said, Mama, we're worth it. And um, she and I spent the day of Thanksgiving. We got up, we took our time, we puttered around, we had candles lit, and music going, and we made this Thanksgiving feast, but it was so sweet and relaxed. And, you know, we said sometime between noon and five, we'll be eating. <laughs> um, and I think for me, that was just such a precious, mm-hmm. what turned out to be a precious um, holiday And I think so much of that was just really from the teamwork. So how about you?
0: So for me, it was very different. I mean, I grew up, uh, my early childhood was in Illinois. We had no family and friends. We had friends out there, but we had no family. And so my grandmothers would fly out and be with us for the holidays. And then, you know, of course, I've got the Catholic upbringing and the Jewish upbringing. So that was a little bit strange really made Christmas like what my mom made it to be and made I don't I don't remember Thanksgivings at all I have Mm. no recollection of Thanksgivings I have um my only recollection of Christmas was like running out Christmas morning in these long lines of packages that we would just tear through as fast as possible Mm. so I don't I don't remember the food I don't remember people from my childhood and we moved from Illinois to New York when I was going into 5th grade. So, I have a few more memories of like my adult, like my teen years in that house. But I don't I can't say like any traditions. I can't say uh-huh. like a certain kind of food was was the part of the tradition. So it was really interesting marrying Steven and our first couple years of marriage we didn't have a lot of contact with my family, but you know, Stephen, Stephen's family is an interesting dynamic because all three of the kids went to boarding school. Whenever they would go home for holidays, it was very family-centric. You just did everything together for all those days, and that carried into even into their college years and then into um, our, our marriage. So basically, his whole family would come to our house pretty much for every holiday, and they would take over, and they all mm. liked to cook. And there's all, they all have certain foods that you have for holidays, and this is the way you do it. I called it the <laughs> Pulliam Worldview. Um, and so Pulliam Worldview kind of took over and made our traditions. And okay. it has taken, I feel like in the last five or six years, I've tried to like have a voice in it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what I have found in that process was that what we were doing were becoming my children's traditions, and I didn't know it. Wow. So some things that we do now, um, we almost always invite, well, this is the last five or 10 years. We always invite people. If somebody doesn't have a a space or a table to sit at, they're invited to our house. So I'd say almost all of our Thanksgivings have never just been family, Uh um, which I think is the way we prefer it. If I could have a huge hospitality barn and have, you know, 30 feet of table, I to me, it's this the people, not the food, yeah, um and and I'll have to tell a story, a Thanksgiving story, but I'll wait, <laughs> um, and then the other thing is i I don't cook, I set the table, I decorate the table, so everybody else cooks, so my oldest has taken on the cooking mantle with my husband and the that his side of the family, so food. Cool. Whatever you want to prepare at my table, go for it. I'll set the table. (laughs) I'll clean the table and somebody else can cook. So we're kind of a good match here because you do all the cooking. So I'm going to learn from you in this episode, I think.
1: We'll we'll do that big barn thing together. That would be a good partnership.
0: (laughs) Well, and you know, I should tell the big barn story now. I think, and this is just my aha moment in this very moment. There is a longing in my heart for that big hospitality barn. I actually think it started eighteen well it would be eighteen plus three years. So twenty two years ago when we lived in Hageman Dorm at the boarding school, we it was um picture colonial building, brick building, two stories, and we had forty boys from around the world. And it wasn't our idea, I think it was another dorm heads idea that we were gonna do a Thanksgiving feast. Mm-hmm. That these boys, because many of them were around the world from around the world, didn't know what American Thanksgiving looked like. And some of them would go home, but many would just be farmed out to families because the break was so short. So the Sunday before our break started, we did a feast and we um, got uh, folding tables and set them up down the hallway and through the lounge so we could all sit at one table together. And we made um, three or four turkeys. So all the dorm parents were involved, even those that didn't live in the dorm. We made all the fixings, the turkeys, the cranberry sauce, the pumpkin pie. There was football on the front lawn between dinner and dessert. And Mm -hmm. I think that my heart still craves
1: Mm -hmm. that many
0: people at my table.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I love that. Yeah.
1: And, you know, I think that that's um, for many of us as women that, Implanted in our hearts is that desire to welcome, to bring people to our table. Even if our table only seats four and it's from Walmart and it was $25, yeah. you know, it's this desire to bring people in, to nurture them, to love on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting because as I was sort of praying over what to share with your audience today, I was really thinking about, you know, we all have traditions, whether we realize it or not. Sometimes we don't even know why we have those traditions. You were right. saying so we inherit. Um, just the other night at church, I was talking to a young mom, and she's not from America, and she was saying, "I'm, I'm trying to learn what my husband's traditions are, but he's so relaxed, he doesn't care, and he's not teaching me." And yeah. I said, "But you're making your own traditions, and that's, that's a gift to your, yeah. to your child. And she's one little one." Um, But I was thinking about how celebrations and holidays are actually throughout Scripture, and they have such meaning and such purpose behind them that I thought, you know, I want to take some time and dig into what were some of the traditions that we hear about in Scripture times when there were meals that were celebratory or there were holidays that were remembrances. Mm -hmm. Um, And let's, you know, take a few minutes and look at those, and maybe they can inspire our holidays but to be grace-filled, not to have that weight and that heaviness and I can't make it all I want it to be. You know, I love that image of the tables lined up in the hallways, you know, yeah. probably folding tables from yes. the end, like yeah. nothing fancy and no. there's no. no stress in that. It's all grace and it's no.
0: beautiful. Well, and here's but, the thing about those. I, you know, I look I, back, I don't remember the candles that we put on the table. I don't remember the decor. It was paper plates. Yep. Uh, I remember the faces. Yep. And I remember we, as Stephen and I, not old enough to actually be parents of these kids, sitting on the far end of the table of the other dorm parents who were also not old enough to be parents <laughs> of these kids, and that sense of these are our boys that we yeah. are stewarding for this time, yeah. and, and that tradition has carried on. So 22 years later, they're still due. They call it Haga Feast, and right. I, I happen to be with some of the boys Uh, speaking at their youth retreat, and I'm like, all right, where are the Hega boys doing Hega Feast? And they're like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, we did Hega Feast. And it's like this, that's tradition, right? Like it's the story that can be passed down from generation to generation. And I think that's where you're going to take us. We're actually going to look at some feasts. So let's do it. Awesome. I love it.
1: Well, we're going to first, we're going to go to Old Testament and the New Testament. So Old Testament, we're going to look at three religious feasts that the Israelites practiced Um, and we're going to start in Exodus chapter 12 and maybe if you want to read verses 25 to 28 and then I'll kind of talk about them a little bit and I'll try to power through so we can get through all these but there's some rich things I think we can take away so let's do Exodus 12 25 to 28 to start off
0: okay great so when you enter the land the Lord has promised to give you you will continue to observe this ceremony then your children will ask I'm going to cry (laughs) <laughs> let me start that again when you enter the land the Lord has promised to give you you will continue to observe this ceremony I can't do this then your children will ask what does this ceremony mean and you will reply it's a Passover sacrifice to the Lord for he passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and though he struck the Egyptians he spared our families when Moses had finished speaking all the people bowed down to the ground and worshiped So the people of Israel did just as the Lord had commanded through Moses and Aaron.
1: I love that that got you girl.
0: (laughs) Well, because I think we have lost the understanding of how important it is to pass it to the next generation. And that it's not, it's not the food. It's not the decoration. It's the faithfulness of God that we're commissioned to pass to the next generation. And and quite honestly, I think the best place that that happens is at the table where you have time to eat and tell stories.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think that's an accident that we are discovering that all these years later. You know, I did a couple of years ago, I was part of an ad campaign for a um, a paper goods company. And they challenged us to make a little video of coming back to the table. And this is a secular paper goods company <sighs> um, who ran a series of commercials featuring our family and other families coming to the table. And and they don't even know the beauty of the story of God's faithfulness. And yet they're recognizing that power of coming together. And so this passage, um, if you've been a believer for very long, the Passover is probably familiar to you. And if you've not, go read chapter 12 in Exodus, because it's an incredible story and really all of Exodus um, of God's faithfulness to his people. So his people were in a period of captivity. They were slaves. um, And God had time and time again, sent Moses to say, let my people go release them from slavery. And they refused. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think there's some really incredible things. So this celebration of the Passover that the Israelites were instructed by God to continue as you know, as a legacy, as you were talking about. Um, there were a couple of things that hallmarked that I think are really powerful for us, and that is, number one, God was wanting them to have this feast to remember the mercy that he had shown, and not just to his people, interestingly, but he gave um, the Egyptians opportunity after opportunity to experience his mercy and his grace and one wave after another they rejected that so i think it's really powerful for us to really reflect on that as they did what where have we seen god's mercy not just in our lives as followers of jesus but in the lives of those who don't know him how many times has god given opportunity and how can we pray for them that they would experience his mercy um I also love it talks about, um, remember what God has spared you. He's given his people freedom. And the whole purpose of this holiday, this feast is to remember the freedom that he's given. And I know that's a battle cry for you. That yeah. um, yeah. They were to do no work except prepare the food. And I think if, um, you know, we talk over and over again as women about Mary and Martha and Mary gets this and Martha gets this bad rap for being this hardworking woman. And, but, um, that's a whole other discussion, but there's this beautiful thing that happens in, in that story in the New Testament where Jesus says, Mary, it's the dist- or Martha, it's the distraction that's the problem. And I think sometimes as women, we can, we can make it all about, do I have the perfect, I like the perfect napkins. I'm a, I'm a yeah. linen collector and I'm a dish collector, but those are extraneous. They're not the core. Um, do no work except just what I tell you to do and let the rest go. Mm-hmm. Um, that's freeing for us as women. Um, and then he even tells them you're to eat bread with no yeast in it, symbolizing being ready to go when God called them. He had told mm. them in advance, I'm going to pass over. I'm going to spare your firstborn child. Um, how can we eliminate the things that aren't necessary and then pursue the things that really reflect his glory? It's I think it's very freeing as a woman, as we think about the holidays and, Listen, if you love beautiful things on your table, hey, put them on your table. And I'm going to talk in a minute about that idea of excellence. But if that doesn't matter to you, if paper plates are good for you and they can be fancy turkey plates, or <laughs> they can be plain ones, let the rest go and think about the things that really, what can I do in my home, at my table, these holidays that are going to reflect God's grace and mercy.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's it. it's good that you say that because... I mean, I've struggled over the years to figure out what that grace looks like, yeah. because the inner panel of critics, along with the actual real live ones, mm-hmm. um, i I have of my family extended and and origin, we have spent most of our holidays together with both sides without any male presence besides my husband because our parents are divorced. And so, um, and my mother and my mother-in-law are very different. They, they probably would have been more similar 20 or 30 years ago, um, in the way that they would do things, but life has taken a toll and Mm. the way that they approach things is very different. And I have struggled and I'm sharing this because I think that there's a lot of women, probably a lot of young women that feel this, that which way is the right way. What should I do? I have this beautiful China. I want to pull it out, but then I'm going to hear about pulling out the China because it's too much work. But then if I do the paper plates, I'm going to hear about the paper plates, you know, being a waste of money. And why didn't you pull out the China? Mm -hmm. And so there, what I I went through for a little bit of time, very recently is I'm just not going to do it at all. Like Mm -hmm. I'm, I I put it off. I won't make the decision. I don't plan. Um, it's the morning of, and I'm like scrambling to figure out what do I have. And then I feel guilty because I don't feel like I'm showing up for my own family or, you know, my own children. And I feel like I've failed. And I also feel like I missed the opportunity to do something I actually enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think we come to the holidays with this like insane amount of pressure yes. to be or do and still make everybody else happy. And I would love the secret to just tuning that all out.
1: Yeah. It's funny that you say that because a a couple of years ago, I kind of on a whim, I did a series and I called it winter, a journey of stillness.
0: I remember that. And
1: it was a series of um, over the course of 10 days, little theme topics that we explored together. And then each day I would do a video and, Uh, I'll flash forward almost a full year. I had a woman contact me and say, would you write this so that I can do it with a group of women? Because it was really impactful to her. And it was to me too. And that 10 days became a 10 week series where we just settled in over the course of winter and it could be any time, but we did it over the course of winter and really used that. um, And I know for a lot of people, this hits after the holidays, there's that it's darker earlier. It's, for men, most of us, it's chillier. Um, there's a, a sadness that sets in. And I think for a lot of people, that happens before the holidays. You know, I said it, my Thanksgiving, I wasn't going to go on strike. And you've had the same feelings. Um, and over the course of those 10, I guess, meditations, we we thought through, what does it mean to be still? What does it mean to listen? What does it mean to wait, to look for God in those moments? Um, and it was powerful for me this i'm actually going to do it a third year um and i think you're going to share a link later too for anyone that wants to get this but it just became this really precious very practical hands-on way to do exactly what you're talking about sort of distill what yes. really matters in the in the crazy mm-hmm. what what can i let go but then also how can i celebrate god through creation through a beautiful meal through just tuning out everything turning off the lights turning off the music and just being quiet before him um mm. and I think you're right that's a challenge for all of us how do we just get still before him and tune out all those extra voices from everybody else from mm. our own head you know <laughs> the yeah, thing yeah. our own head um, and then become vehicles of grace as women because I know that pressure from you know I I have I have a, an incredible mom-in-law who does everything well.
0: <laughs>
1: and um, I put pressure on myself to live up to the way she would do it. Yeah. Um, and so, how do you learn to to offer grace to that person and be gentle spirited, and mm-hmm. yet sort of make your own way too? You know, how do you balance yeah. those things? So, it is a challenge. <laughs> it
0: is a challenge. It is a challenge. And yet, you know, going back to the scripture passage on the Passover. I've had the opportunity to um, attend yes. a Christian Passover yes. year, you know, Beautiful. And it's so beautiful because the power of it is in the storytelling and the recounting of God's faithfulness and the fact that each element represents something that God has already accomplished. And so I I have had a rekindled sense in my spirit that the holidays can't be about what was or what makes me feel less than but i have to look at that like the way i look at everything else in my life of god what do you want to accomplish through this
1: mm-hmm. how do
0: you want to use this moment to convey your story to mm-hmm. the next generation and yeah
1: it's
0: a, it's a mindset let me, shift let me take us forward a little bit and i'm going
1: yeah. to i'm going to go ahead and just read a couple more sections and we're going to briefly talk about the pentecost which was also called the feast of weeks and the festival of tabernacles or booths. And these are both in Deuteronomy. I'm gonna read verses six, uh, chapter 16 verses nine to 12. And then I'm also gonna read 14 and 15 and just kind of summarize those, just hopefully this will be encouraging to you. But Deuteronomy 16, um, nine to 12 says, count off seven weeks from the time you begin to put the sickle to the standing grain. Then celebrate the feast of weeks to the Lord your God by offering a free will offering in proportion to the blessings the Lord has given you. And rejoice before the Lord your God at the place He will choose as a dwelling for his name. Mm. You, your sons, your daughters, your men, manservants and maidservants, the Levites in your towns and the aliens, the fatherless and the widows living among you, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and follow carefully these decrees. And then fifteen and or 14 and 15, sorry. Be joyful at your feast, you, your sons and daughters, your men servants and maidservants, the Levites, the aliens, the fatherless, and the widows who live in your town. For seven days, celebrate the feast to the Lord your God at the place the Lord will choose. For the Lord your God will bless you in all your harvest and in all the work of your hands, and your joy will be complete. So these two, two, two other celebrations that were to happen, the Feast of Weeks, kind of a Harvest celebration may be similar to what we have in Thanksgiving where, um, you know, the original history of that holiday is to celebrate the provision that we've been given. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the the Israelites were challenged to celebrate by giving something to the Lord as an offering and in response to the way that he blessed them. And I think about your, you know, you say inviting people to the table that don't have a home. I love that both of these cases, it says go to the place the lord will tell you to go. Mm-hmm. And as women, you know, let uh, praying, taking the time before that holiday season even kicks in and and just going to the lord and saying, "Okay, this brings up stress for me and I have all these, you know, expectations in my own head and the ones that I think other people have or they do have of me, but lord, you show me. What do you want me to do in this holiday? What is it that is is important that's going to reflect you and what can I just let go?" who do you want me to invite to the table? Or do you want me to go to somebody else's table and release me from that? Mm -hmm. Um, I love to, there's called in both of these cases to invite all levels of society. We see the servants, Mm -hmm. we see the religious leaders, we see your family, your immediate family. Um, So just asking again the Lord, what is it? How do you want me to celebrate? completely unrelated at Halloween one year. I remember, and I, I don't know if I've shared this with you before or not, but um, our church would always do this big Halloween celebration as kind of an alternative. And the first year that we went to it, we had moved to this new town. My husband was on staff at the church and we, it was fun, you know, there was candy and, you know, Christian activities for the kids. And we came back to our neighborhood and the whole neighborhood was having this huge celebration in our driveway <laughs> And, you know, old Sal, the Italian from New York, had made his homemade pizza. And, you know, all these different one family was showing a movie in the driveway. And we looked at each other and we said we were in the wrong place. We went to the church. We went and got away. But all of our neighbors were right there in our driveway ready for us to get to know them and invest in them. And so for us, um, Halloween actually has become uh, this. We would do a, a big pot of um, chili in the driveway. And, you know, any neighbors that wanted to show up, you know, come and bring something to share. And that became our time of welcome, not a religious holiday at all, mm-hmm. but it was time for us. We felt the Lord called us to connect with people in different places in life. Yeah. Um so i love that you know asking the lord where does he want you to go who does he want you to invite or does he want you to go to someone else's house um and remember again remember you were slaves thanking him for his deliverance um and also he challenges them to be joyful mm-hmm. um we this is going to kind of lead us to we're going to go to one more story in the new testament but um we i think sometimes feel this weight of heaviness as believers as we're talking about as women, we want to inject meaning into our holidays. And, you know, do you have devotions that are tradition for you? But um, not to let it weigh us down. Even that, even celebrating the Lord, I think sometimes we can turn it into like a heavy yeah. weight. Um, but God wants us to party. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and so if it's okay, I'm going to take us forward into yeah. the book of John. Um, and this is a famous story, and it's going to be familiar to most of us. And most of us are not going to think of this as a religious holiday or celebration, um, but it really is. And this is where Jesus' first miracle takes place.
0: Um, well, in John, you have two. weddings on your mind.
1: Yeah, I got weddings on the mind, girlfriend. We got to talk weddings for a minute.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I,
1: I've been shopping for mother of the groom dresses for weeks, and I'm trying to uh, be lighthearted and upbeat about it, but it is
0: work. Well, yeah. <laughs> Because they're so funny duddy, and we're not old enough to wear funny duddy things. I am not old
1: enough. I am not. No. And I have this precious, precious, adorable daughter in law to be who is so laid back and relaxed and encouraging. And um, I want her to be pleased, but I, you know, I want to look good. And yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. so, all right, let's read just for a second. Um, you read this one. Uh, okay. Starting in ch- verse one of John chapter two, Lisa.
0: How far do you want me
1: to
0: go? um, Let's go up to verse 9. Okay. Go to (laughs) 10. Go to 10. The next day, there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, that is not our problem. Jesus replied, My time has not yet come. (laughs) But his mother told the servants Do whatever he tells you Standing nearby were six stone water jars Used for Jewish ceremonial washing Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons Jesus told the servants Fill the jars with water When the jars had been filled He said Now dip dip some out And take it to the master of ceremonies So the servants followed his instructions When the master of the ceremonies Tasted the water that was now wine Not knowing where it had come from Though, of course, the servants knew. He called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now.
1: Mm. Go and read verse 11 because it's pretty powerful too.
0: Yeah. (laughs) This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples Mm -hmm. believed him. After the wedding, he went to Capernaum for a few days with his mother, his brother, and his disciples.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Okay, this makes me giddy. I, as I said, I'm hunting for dresses, and um, I have a funny story to tell you. So my second-born son, and I have a theory about second-borns, that they're, uh, they're the ones the Lord gives us to make us be on our knees. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he is a sweetheart, and I will never forget. He was probably a junior in high school, and there was something he was wanted to get across, and he looked at me and he said, woman? And I, <laughs> I said, boy, I have to catch you first, but I will take you down. And if I can't catch you, you have to sleep sometime. You don't get to call me that. And he turned around uh, and, and you know, apologized, and like an hour later, he came back, and he had this passage open, and he said, I want you to look. Jesus called his mom, dear woman. <laughs> And so from then on, that kind of became a joke between that son and me that uh, he will occasionally call me dear woman and get
0: by with it. (laughs) That is awesome. That's a good story. Oh, man. Yeah, that wouldn't have gone over well with me. I probably (laughs) would have been like, you get over here. Exactly. (laughs) You are going down.
1: (laughs) Um, so I love this. And there's been so, you know, conversation after conversation about why Jesus' first miracle happens at a wedding. And um, I just think this is so beautiful because he gives validation and importance to this celebration, this ceremony, what we know as a sacred ceremony before the Lord by even mm-hmm. being there. Um, there's a couple things that jump out at me. One is Mary's concern in this situation was for her hosts for the embarrassment or for the honor being spared of her host, And I think that's pretty powerful as women, you know, I'm talking about finding my mother of the groom dress and we're talking about, you know, wanting our table to look right or our house to be clean or whatever those expectations are that we put on ourselves. Um, But if we can somehow find a way to let those burdens go that weigh on us to make me look good or fears that I'm not going to look good or that someone's going to notice and really put our focus on how am I going to make someone else feel? There's a freedom in that, right? And it's beautiful. Um, I also love that Mary's um, trust in her son was complete. I mean, he looks at her and he goes, it's not my time yet. And she doesn't even answer him that we can tell here. She looks at the servants and she goes, do whatever he tells you. I know, (laughs) Right? right. She right. knows her God well enough to know that he's gonna do what's important. Um, I know. and I I I want us to be that way as women. I want us to um I think that is really one of the sources of the freedom from the burden, the expectation, the stress that can come at us is our confidence being complete in the Lord. He's gonna do whatever it takes. So if I'm worried about is this um tradition gonna measure up to what my mother-in-law did? Yeah. or what my sister-in-law expects or would have on her table or in her house. Um, if I can just get to the place where I think, you know what, my God is going to do what's needed if I trust him to mm. bless those that come into my home or those who I sit at their table. Um, I just think there's something so beautiful in that. And so kind of sassy on Mary's part. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: Well, you know what I see in this that I have never seen before that I never understood why Jesus said my time. I understood why Jesus said my time has not yet come. I knew that He's referring to the crucifixion, mm-hmm. but I never saw the connection of of Him at the Last Supper saying, uh, "My body, my blood is your wine." Right? Like I didn't realize oh. like He's having two levels of conversation, and it's like um it's like a cartoon movie that throws in adult humor. Oh right? my
1: goodness. Yeah. Right. You take
0: your kids and it's like, whoo, over their head. And yes. this was way over everybody's head that Jesus' yeah. blood would be poured out as the wine. Never saw that before in this passage.
1: Mm-hmm. That's powerful. Yeah. Powerful. Um, I love to hear that she um, is taking action. She's asking for help. And I think that's something as women, we got to learn how to do. You said it. I love your daughter has taken up that mantle of cooking with your hubby, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, inviting. uh, And we've done that recently. I had uh, wanted to do something special for our pastor and his family. And I said, my house is crazy. I've been cooking and recipe shooting recipes and testing all day long, but I want to do something. Can I bring you some leftover or not leftover, but I had made double of of a recipe Um, and just asking for not even in that case asking for help but like can I find a way to bless somebody within the boundaries of what I'm able to do um so for you saying I'm gonna I'm gonna set the table but that's that's my boundary that's what I can do um Mary knew she couldn't she didn't have the wine she didn't have these barrels of wine stored away but she wanted to do something so she asked for help from somebody she knew could do it yeah um I also love the tenderness that he had for her and the host. I mean, Jesus could have said, no, I'm not here for this. I'm not here to make sure that the host isn't embarrassed because the wine ran out. He doesn't need wine. Yeah. (laughs) He He had tenderness. Right. Um, Right. He cares about our hearts. He cares about us as women, as families who are wanting to honor him over the holidays with our lives, with our homes. Yes. Um, and I think this is kind of cool, too. So it's almost tucked in at the end of this story, but the Lord put it there in his word for us to read. You saved the best wine for last.
0: I was going to go there if you didn't. Oh, yeah. my
1: goodness. The The Lord is concerned about quality. He doesn't yes. care about that. And so if you are a woman who you want your tree to be decorated in, in a certain way or You know, it's Easter and you want your spread to be a certain way or you want traditions. There's nothing wrong with that. The Mm -hmm. Lord is validating that. He's not just, you know, giving them grape juice. He's giving them good quality wine. Yeah,
0: That's kind of cool to me. (laughs) It is very cool. It is very cool. That stuck out to me in this reading as well, that he, even in his first miracle, was turning the human philosophy upside Mm -hmm. down. Yes. And and yes. saying even when it comes to the wine, I come out with my best, yes. not not my worst.
1: Yes. And what happens? So at the end of this, and I think this really kind of brings it home for us as women, um, for really any of us in in the holidays as we're going about trying to live our lives as salt and light to honor the Lord, is that we see at the end of this, uh, verse eleven. This, the first of his miraculous signs, he performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory, and his disciples put their faith in him. Mm-hmm. So even something as as earthly, earthy as as providing wine at a meal turned into an opportunity for God to receive the glory. And um, I just I want that to be such a freeing mantle, I guess, um, on us as we prepare to go into the holidays um how can we turn around and be yielded to go where the lord calls us to go for our feasts and festivals and whatever those traditions may be how can we thank him for the ways that he's shown us mercy that he's given us freedom even freedom from traditions that we don't need to follow anymore yeah um how can we give him glory how can we look for ways whatever that that thing is that tradition that you know holiday Um, celebration, how can I either drop this and let it go if it doesn't honor the Lord? Or how can I look for opportunities, man, to just throw out my hands and celebrate his goodness, his sovereignty, his grace toward us? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so important because grace is, is both letting things go that are unrealistic expectations and also a willingness to do things differently to invite grace in yes yeah right and so i I had a really lovely walk with a friend this morning and we started talking about the holidays i don't know why um and she has this tradition that she does with her she's got girls um but we were kind of brainstorming about how to do it with with my son um she gives three gifts for christmas gold frankincense and myrrh and Mm -hmm. i was like what does that mean how do you do that so gold, if I remember correctly, she wraps one package in gold wrapping paper and it's like the big expensive gift. Mm-hmm. Um, the frankincense is something that um, represents their spiritual life and spiritual growth. So a devotional, a Bible, a worship song. She said occasionally it was like a CD player with the CDs. Like it could be something like that. And what color did she say if she wrapped that in? I don't remember. Um, and then myrrh. Uh, she wraps in brown paper and because myrrh was used to anoint Mm. for anointing um, she does something for body care so with girls it's pretty easy so it's like bed bath and beyond or makeup or like body skincare stuff and she's like well I'm like what to do with Luke and she (laughs) goes he's still gonna need to take care of his body so (laughs) I was like true I'm not sure he'd be delighted with like a shaving kit but maybe he's getting to be that age at some point yep. he's gonna need that yep. and I thought so I said to her I'm like man I wonder if I could do that that would change things up a little bit and and she's like well you know how would they deal with the transitions mm-hmm. and I do think that's a part of our like mode of operation as a mom or as a woman yeah. of I feel ready and called to go in a new direction but then how do I get everybody else to also come in that new direction with me. Um, Yeah. And so my thoughts on that, I mean, for my family, I don't think it would be very hard. I'll pitch the idea Mm -hmm. and see how they respond and ask the Lord to lead me if that's the way to go or if that's not going to jive. And uh, I think that that's the best way to do it is just take a pulse. and... And I think that joy element is in there too. Again, just looking
1: for ways to inject that joy. And I think about, um, you know, I shared about my two grandmas and in one in particular, I, I, it was a, a very, I'll just say I grew up in a very dysfunctional. Um, and I think I've shared that before have, where have. every holiday, you know, we waited for that meltdown. Um, and I, I look back and I think about, um, what is it, what is it like to have a life that's characterized by joy versus one that's characterized by sorrow and not sorrow. I think we all walk through sorrow for different reasons, whether it's loss or something that goes wrong, but a sorrow that comes out of a Mm -hmm. self-centeredness and we take on a burden that the Lord does not call us to carry where it's, it's all about me. And I, I remember there being these moments of just Nobody will help. Nobody, you know, nobody I'm all by myself in this. But that's not the way it needed to be. It mm-hmm. it had there been a, a joy, a lightheartedness, let's put on some music and let's dance silly in the kitchen. Or, right? you know, when we snuck our little bite of this or that, let embrace that. You know, and my um just the other day my my 11, now eleven year old, my littlest had a birthday this week, but um Wanted to come in and help. And I was trying to make a recipe that I was in a hurry to get done. And my tendency was to go, no, I don't want to mess. And then I thought, wait a minute. I have this opportunity right now to embrace the joy. And we got silly and we danced in the kitchen. And all oh, my kids have a funny story about their mama dancing in the kitchen and wiping out. But I want those funny stories. Yeah. And so, you know, even as you say, okay, let's go to our kids and let's present, let's pitch to our husbands. What if we try this new tradition doing it with a lightness of heart and a joy that says, let's laugh, let's giggle, let's play together. Um, I don't know. I think that's, we have the potential to really set a tone. That's very different. That's very worshipful in a new way. Not, not even a new way. I think it's what we saw as an example in the scriptures, but um, we can carry
0: it out. We can, we can. And I, I can testify that about two years ago, I, uh, I might have shared this before on podcast, but it's relevant here. I We were decorating a Christmas tree, and I pitched a fit, like like a toddler fit. <laughs> stomp the foot. I hate Christmas. I hate everything about this holiday. I, I've hated it all my life. I do not want to do this anymore. I mean, it was one of those, like, mm-hmm. everybody in the room stops and looks at you, and you feel like a total idiot, and you're <laughs> like, what just took over me, and why did I behave that way? And Leah turned to me and said, Mom, you have had more years married to dad and raising us to make your traditions and your holidays what they are. Why are you still living like a 14-year-old? Oh, my. And I was like, oh, my word, out of the mouth of babes, right? When
1: those daughters turn around and challenge us,
0: right? (laughs) And she, thankfully, God's done enough work on my heart to receive it. Yep. And it was like a cold bucket of water on mm. me of why, why? Like, okay, God, why? Like, this is, we need to find the answer to this. Yeah. And, and you know, I think the little girl uh, in us, we we had dreams when we were little of what Christmas was supposed to look like. Mm. And for many of us, that has never, ever been fulfilled because we are sights, for christmas for easter for thanksgiving for anniversaries for birthdays we we conjure up something in our head yes and expect other people to live into that and yeah. god has really convicted me that you're longing for eternity in that gift yes Right. And that that fulfillment that you are after, that you think that thing, that gift, that person, that place, that circumstance is going to meet that need does not exist on earthly soil. And if you get to taste it, it is my gift on this side of heaven. Yes, 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 yes. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that monumental shift has taken place in me of like, where is my yearning for eternity that I need to. Yield it to eternity mm-hmm. and instead embrace the moment and say, Joy, like, how do I choose joy in this? Yeah, I so, love that. Yeah, I would say this is the first holiday season that I'm walking into ever with an anticipation of joy. Awesome, yeah, awesome, yeah, do some and-
1: kitchen dancing. <laughs>
0: Well, we do do that. If we get the music go, we do. Yeah, we're Kitchen Dancing Fools. Yeah. It's usually lovely. somebody wipes out, like you said, or <laughs> knocks a hand on the counter or something disastrous happens, but we still try to dance. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so I don't, I want to say this, like I anticipate joy, but I don't have a vision of how that's going to manifest. I'm not searching Pinterest to find it. I am not. Planning a menu that will deliver it. I just want my heart to be on the moment with the people. Yeah. In the joy that God gives. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Oh, this is good. <laughs> we could talk forever, but I'm looking at the time and our our listeners don't like long episodes, so they're going to kill me again (laughs) because I can't do anything under 45 minutes. Get out of
1: here, girls.
0: (laughs) I know, I know. We could keep going on and on. So, Angela, I know you've got some really valuable resources to share. Can you give us, like, some highlights of those resources and where to find them? And I'll include all the links in the podcast notes.
1: Yeah. So I have uh, a couple that I think of right away that might really be useful. Um, as y'all are listening, one is that study that I mentioned winter, a journey of stillness, and that's on, um, dot the shop tab. Um, you'll find it there. I also have a book called cozy holidays. It's an ebook. It's a downloadable resource, um, that I, I go back to time and again, it's, um, full of recipes and devotional inspiration. It's got some DIY projects. That if those things give you joy, yes, um, you can use, there's some journaling prompts to sort of build um, kind of a, an Ebenezer a reminder for you and your family of um, ways that the Lord has blessed and, and will bless in the future. Um, and that's called Everyday Welcome Cozy Holidays. Um, and I will say too, I tend to be of like a, a paleo, grain-free, um, allergy friendly cook. So if that's something that's important to you, those recipes are great as well for anybody that shows up at your table. Um, they're not just for those people, but they're um, easy to adapt for mm-hmm. allergies and sensitivities and stuff. So yeah, hopefully this will be useful, but, uh, I'm, I'm praying for you girls as you're listening that, um, this, our time together has been such a blessing. I know it is for me, Lisa. and, yeah, and me for too.
0: <laughs> always, always. So, um, I want you to close this in prayer, but before you do that, I do want to say that everybody needs to come follow your Facebook page. What is oh. it? Is it everyday welcome or is it under Angela Sackett? It is, is it... everyday welcome.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep.
0: So because your, your Facebook lives, your videos, your cooking videos, like A, they make me hungry. B, they make me feel like you've stepped into my kitchen and C, they make me want to prepare what you have prepared because you make it look so easy. And, I think you should like conquer the food network and kick everybody <laughs> off and it should be the Angela Sackett network uh, because you, you make it so appealing. So hopefully for those who feel inept at cooking, like I do can also be encouraged that way.
1: Yes. Come to the party. It's so much fun. I love it because women start swapping recipes and ideas and it is a
0: blast. So, it's good. Cool. so will you pray for us before we go? Yes. Yeah.
1: Oh, Lord, I thank you so much for this time together as sisters and you. I thank you for um, memories that we have, the ones that are challenging, the ones that convict us, um, the ones that call us as women to be more about your purposes. Um, And I thank you for the ones that are sweet and tender, like our daughters calling us out, Lord, or... Um, the opportunities that we have to bless those at our table who maybe don't have a table to sit at um, and feel welcomed unless we open ours. God, I pray that there would be such a sense of release and freedom for our sisters who are listening today um, from any burden of expectation of um, human tradition that is a weight that puts the focus on me, that makes me fearful or feel less than. But God, I pray that you would... um, just free us up to look for those things that really are simple and small and sweet that glorify you. I pray that you would help us to be intentional as women this holiday season about um, just taking some time to celebrate what you have done throughout the ages, but in particular in our lives and our families' lives. God, the way that you have freed us from bondage, the ways that you have released us from captivity, whether that's emotional or spiritual, and Lord, for the desire that you have to work in the the generations to come, um, as Lisa says so often, leaving a legacy um, that glorifies your faithfulness, God. We I just pray that this time would be such a sweet encouragement. Um, help us to just really melt into you this holiday season um, and to pour out your love on those that you bring into our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thank you for being with us again. I love having you here. You know that. Love you, sister. Yeah. So thank you, everyone, for listening to the More to Be podcast. We are praying you've experienced a fresh encounter with God and His word during your time with us today. If you'd like to show your support for the ministry of More to Be and our podcast, we'd love for you to become a More to Be tribe member. You'll get access to a library of life application studies, worksheets, audio recordings, video teachings with exclusive resources added each month. To learn more, visit moretobe.com slash podcast for a special link just for our listeners. May you continue to think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in his work every day.